Coming up next on the Jeff Curley Show, lessons in leadership from a retired senior executive with the FBI. His incredible story just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I think you will agree with me that uh, being in law, law enforcement these days is, is a fairly thankless job. Uh, very often the media is second-guessing them, saying, why didn't you do it this way? Why did you do it this way? And somebody who knows about that is a, a guy who spent a whole lifetime in law enforcement, Eric Jackson, retired senior executive with the FBI. Thanks for coming on the show. Jeff, it was great to uh, be offered this opportunity to come on your show. Absolutely. Thank you. Before we get into your, your career with the FBI, I want to talk about your upbringing because okay. you grew up in Memphis. Yeah, I was I was born in Memphis, uh, lived in the Claiborne Homes, which were one of the original housing projects uh, in the city of Memphis. And, you know, growing up in there was probably the, the greatest life lesson because not only growing up in poverty, but also uh, the life that I lived, the housing project was less than 10 blocks away from the Lorraine Hotel. So I remember when Dr. Martin Luther King was killed, the, all of the fires, all of the law enforcement and uh, other individuals uh, from the military that were there, uh, how there was so much damage being done as a, as a result of uh, his assassination. But also the, the good times, uh, there was a club called Club Paradise, which was near uh, where the projects were. And as a result of that, all of the heroes of my life passed through and would stop the projects, everybody from James Brown to uh, uh, Chuck Berry. And I, I grew up seeing those those individuals. And uh, to this day, that's my favorite genre of music, doo-wop and, and uh you know, any R&B from the 60s and the early 70s. Well, I want to tease the book that you're writing right now because it's called Real Agent of Change. Yes. And in the book, you talk about Elvis, B.B. King. I mean, you get to rub elbows with a lot of, you know, very famous people. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, as a kid, nine years old, I used to stand outside of Graceland and look for my opportunity to, to meet Elvis Presley. And it was a bike ride away from uh, my home. And uh, unfortunately, the the first time I was able to get near Elvis Presley was on the day that he died in 1977, and his white casket uh, passed by, and I was standing by the gates of Graceland, and and you know very sad. But uh, to this day, I'm a I'm an Elvis fan. I I will take on anybody with Elvis trivia. But uh, those were all the the foundations and the building blocks of. Uh, life and the life that my parents provided. Yeah. Do you remember when you first wanted to be in law enforcement? 
This, this is uh, interesting because I, I served in the U.S. Navy for about eight years. I never thought about law enforcement until one night I was working on my degree at Amberton University here in the, the Dallas-Garland uh, area. And I was studying for a test uh, within the master's program. And about 3 a.m. in the morning, a advertisement came on saying that the FBI was looking for uh, minorities to recruit into the organization. And I said, hey, you know what, that's me. Let me give it a try. And uh, that fateful moment at 3 a.m. changed my life forever. And it was one of the greatest decisions that I ever made in my life uh, to uh, pursue a career with the FBI. Well, your resume goes on for about 500 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is a 20-minute show. <laughs> but uh, give us the highlights, uh, your your career in the FBI. Yeah, I, I, I started my career in uh, the Tampa field office working uh, organized crime, drugs, healthcare fraud, uh, international terrorism. Uh, I was a member of the hostage negotiation team for, for Tampa and did a, a number of high-profile standoffs. Uh, then I was uh, at our headquarters in counterterrorism, then uh, in Memphis with uh, counterterrorism again, and uh, a couple other stops along the way back to headquarters. And I ended my career uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, running one of the finest field offices that the FBI has in the Dallas field office. Oh, so impressive. In fact, as I was uh, preparing for this show, I went on to YouTube and I put in Eric Jackson uh, FBI and I found a wonderful video. Uh, you haven't watched it in a while, but let's go ahead and roll it. Okay. Going to the academy, uh, I was the only uh, African-American agent uh, candidate in my academy class. Uh, it was difficult because I, I, I felt alone. Uh, many times I felt that uh, I was not included into some of the groups that had formed during that. So it was, it was a lonely experience. And uh, coming out of the academy, I went to the Tampa field office and I was one of the uh, second African-American new agents that had been sent to Tampa. And we, we formed a uh, lifelong friendship uh, based on that. But one of the, the things that happened that let me know that it was gonna be okay. Uh, there was a, a senior agent, African-American, who was in the office who uh, never spoke to me when, when, I, when I saw him. And I would walk past him and uh, never, never said a word to me. And then one day, uh, about six months into that, that tour, uh, this gentleman sat down and talked to me and, and introduced himself, and his name was Jim Barrow. Uh, Jim Barrow was one of the original agents that went to the academy. And he sat down and talked to me and he told me the reason he wanted to wait to talk to me was he wanted to see what type of agent I was going to be and what type of person I was. And he sat down and told me his life story, what happened when uh, Director Hoover chose him to go to the academy as one of the, the first African Americans and the life he, he led. And that gave me a pause to think that there are people who have gone through a lot prior to me and they survived and that I was gonna survive. And uh, to the day I left Tampa, uh, Mr. Burroughs was not only a great mentor, he was just a great person, a great example. And I appreciated uh, the fact of how he introduced himself to me and not that uh, he allowed himself to be a crutch to me. 
So it was, it was a great opportunity. Eric, you're such a vivid storyteller. I love the way you recounted those details. And I want to talk more about um, your career in law enforcement because, uh, as I said off the top of the show, it, it has become a very polarized country where uh, when I was growing up, the cops were the good guys and everybody knew who the bad guys were. And sometimes the lines get blurred. Uh, speak to that for a minute. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, some of the things I've seen from the George Floyd incident to uh, other incidents that have happened around the, the nation to uh, uh, African-Americans and, and other minority community and also the, the white community is law enforcement is there to protect and serve. Uh, we all take uh, the uh, oath to protect and serve. We all take the oath to defend the Constitution, whether it's the, uh, the national Constitution or the state constitution. And one of the things that, that worries me is that uh, individuals who have taken that oath have used the office not to benefit the community, but to benefit themselves. Uh, I've seen everything from uh, law enforcement officers running drug organizations to protecting drug organizations to what we saw with George Floyd. But that is only a minuscule number of law enforcement people. Overall, the law enforcement people that I have dealt with uh, during my 21 year career with the FBI and, and ever since, they're, they're hardworking uh, men and women. They uh, honor, they're honored to wear the badge and they're honored to, to give their life to protect uh, the citizens. And one of the things that, that really breaks my heart is that uh, there's a division between the community and those that are sworn to protect and serve the community. And that's why it's so important that uh, for former and current law enforcement officials, we should be spending every single day reminding the community that we're there to stand between them and the bad guys and not to make them the bad guys. And that's, that's one of the things that I've done, Jeff, and one of the things I continue to do is to make sure that the community knows that, uh, you know, whether you're current or former law enforcement, our job is serving this community, serving the great communities that, that we either live in or work for. And, and that's, uh, I think if we make that our focus, then the community helps us identify criminals, uh, helps us uh, do our job better, and then they feel safer as a, as a, as a byproduct of, of that relationship. Wow, absolutely brilliant. We might need to transcribe that and put that in the book. <laughs> that was brilliantly said. We also have some video from our, our, our library that we're gonna roll right now. I wanna talk about you know, lessons in leadership from the FBI because the thing that, I, that comes to my mind is not just you have to be a strong leader, but you have to be decisive on deadline. It's not like you can have a bunch of meetings when there's a bomb threat, right? So yeah. talk about the pressure of uh, being a leader in the FBI? Well, one, one of the things that uh, I know that I did and what I look for in leaders that I either hired or that worked for me is that our job is not to dictate to uh, the personnel what they should do. Our job is to sit, talk, understand, uh, learn from, from those that are on the street that are, that are working every day our job is to support them, to ask them, what can I do for you? And then as a leader, when it comes to that time where you have to make a crucial decision, 
if you know the players, whether it's the the troops that are that are working for you, the uh, agents, analysts, or or others, or our task force officers, if you know them and if they know you, it makes the conversation and leadership a lot easier because they know what your foundation is. And your foundation is to get the job done, to make sure it's done right, and make sure it's done without having to step on people to get it done. And that has always been my leadership philosophy. Sure. And I, I just think about the pressure that you were under in all of your leadership roles. You have the, the public opinion, you have the media, you have your own troops kind of balancing all of those voices. Uh, what, as you look back on your 21-year uh, career at the FBI, what, is there a highlight? I mean, what are, you, what are you most proud of? Well, one of the things I'm mostly proud of is uh, when I entered leadership in 2002 with the FBI onto my career uh, that ended in 2019, so 17 years, uh, one of the things that I think as a leader was so important is that I wanted to make sure that everybody who worked for me went home every night. And I have one instance where an agent was, was shot in the performance of duty. And that was probably the single stressful moment in, in my career was to uh, wonder if this young agent was going to make it home to his family. And he did subsequently make it home to his family. But that was my worst day. My best day in the FBI was uh, a case here in, in Dallas, and I worked in many, many cases. But uh, a young lady was kidnapped as a result of a drug uh, deal between organizations, and uh, she was kidnapped. And we were running out of time in locating her. And when we finally did locate her, they, um, the bad guys had, had killed her. And um, one of the promises that I made, not only to the family, but also to the community, that everybody who touched her, harmed uh, an inch of her hair, we would hold them accountable, working with our, our partners uh, with Dallas Police Department and, and others. And we were able to do that. Mm -hmm. And we brought a closure to that. And um, those are the cases that go with you for life because you are looking for a better outcome. And when that outcome doesn't come, then your job has to be to find the people who perpetrated this. Wow, you are so inspiring. Uh, I wanna talk about what you're doing now. Uh, so I, I know you've uh, done some work in the banking industry and, and you're a consultant. Yeah. So uh, how can people engage you? Well, right, right now uh, I, I was uh, in the banking industry, but um, the bank I was working for uh, uh, fell as a result of uh, the FDIC taking over. So right now, I'm, I'm really I'm focused on writing the book and, and kind of documenting my life. And one of the reasons I'm in a hurry to, to do that is, is uh, my mom is ill, and I want her to have the first copy of, of my book before uh, anything happens. Right. Um, next thing I'm doing is I'm... I'm uh, on a lot of boards and, and lending my law enforcement experience to boards and area. And then the final thing I'm, I'm doing is just doing some consulting work for different uh, organizations, banks and, and others, and helping with risk and, and things like that. And uh, probably uh, soon I'm, I'm going to have to get back out there in the, in the workforce and, and start earning some money. But right now I'm, I'm 
able to do things that I've never been able to do in, in the past probably 30 years. Yeah. Well, you're a good, you're a good man, and we're, we're going to keep your mom in our prayers. Thank you. Um, we're going to end with Eric's uh, LinkedIn page. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen. Uh, the great Eric Jackson. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. You're welcome. You bet. Thank you. That's it for now. Okay. We'll see you next time.